This week, Chrome extensions are now the enemy. Lenovo issues an advisory. A blizzard hacker targeting ICS. Hacking the voting machines. And one, no, two hot messes. Jason Wood from Paladin Security, who is not a hot mess, will join us for expert commentary on a malware campaign that went old school for delivery. So stay tuned for all that and more on this episode, even, of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. Most of the organizations I work with, they have released. Yes, you read it. Actually, do the original Linux kernel security with Linux. So I hope everybody has their resistance built up. Brought to you by. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending these assets? Have you penetration tested these public assets? Start 2017 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Hack Naked News. This is episode 158 for Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Asadorian, who has a broken teleprompter. While we get the teleprompter fixed, I am going to tell you about our on-demand programming. If you ever just want to settle in with some juicy, hot fresh content it's like so juicy you could sink your teeth into it because you don't want to listen on the go but you want to really focus in on some awesome content you can visit our on-demand programming at securityweekly.com forward slash on-demand learn things about file system forensics endpoint detection and response in addition to business critical applications which i think is the one that you really want to pay attention to because i thought it was some of the most unique and interesting content that we had on our webcast program. So make sure that you do that. And I'm going to keep stalling until my teleprompter's back, which I think it is, which now I'm on to the actual news for this week because my teleprompter's working again. And now the security news. Malicious Chrome extension is next to impossible to manually remove. By creating a redirect to the internal Chrome extensions page, a malicious extension was able to infect browsers, make it very difficult to remove. In fact, Malwarebytes recommends installing their own tool to remove the malicious extension rather than a manual extraction. I mean, of, of course, they recommend installing their own tool. I mean, why not? However, I have heard good things about Malwarebytes, so uh, that's a plus thing. Chrome extensions have, of course, emerged this year as a potent threat to browser security, as there appears to be a number of ways to infect victims and bypass controls. Time to switch to Firefox? Perhaps. In the meantime, you may want to take a look at Chrome extension use in your environment. If you're the Chrome team, you might want to investigate ways to further secure those Chrome extensions. Lenovo has released a security advisory according to US CERT. Uh, vulnerabilities in the firmware of Lenovo networking gear uh, have been patched. Lenovo released the following advisory, LEN16095, stating Enterprise Networking Operating System Authentication Bypass in Lenovo and IBM Rack Switch and Blade Center products 
with the potential impact being an attacker can gain access to the switch management interface, permitting settings changes that could result in exposing traffic passing through switches, subtle malfunctions in the attached infrastructure, and partial or complete denial of service. This is the HP backdoor, a, of course, type of common flow we've seen in embedded systems, where a set of hard-coded credentials are inside the firmware, typically for air quotes maintenance purposes. A very, very easy flaw to fix and make certain it doesn't exist in your systems, or is it, as this problem has plagued embedded systems or IoT devices, if you want to use the newfangled terminology, uh, for quite some time now. I started thinking about how difficult it would be to identify this flaw and remove it as a set of hard-coded credentials don't really give you much to uh, look for inside of your code and could be a little more difficult to remove uh, than I previously thought. So uh, you will likely see this flaw happen more and more. Speaking of flaws, a critical flaw in all Blizzard games could let hackers hijack millions of PCs. Google's Project Zero team researcher Tavis Ormandi discovered that the Blizzard update agent is vulnerable to a hacking technique called DNS rebinding. Love DNS. Love me some DNS rebinding. An attack that allows a website to act as the bridge between the external server and your local host. So, if you are a fan of World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Diablo 3, Hearthstone, or Starcraft 2, there is a partial patch available, although... There appears to be still an attack vector in the wild that remains exploitable. Be on the lookout for, in fact, more updates on this issue. If you poked your head up from gaming long enough to hear that news story. Uh, Triton exploited a zero-day flaw to target industrial systems. The Triton Trojan, which targeted core industrial systems in the Middle East last year, exploited a zero-day flaw in TriConnect's controllers to carry out its attack. I find it interesting that whomever orchestrated this attack found it important enough to burn O'Day for uh, an ICS control system firmware. We frequently discuss patching and configuration mistakes. However, if your adversaries have enough at stake, they will burn O'Day. And the big question is, well, how do you defend against that in your environment? If you haven't pondered that question, now might be the time. Voting box makers try to get gear stripped from eBay and out of hackers' hands. Speaking at the recent ShmooCon conference in the U.S. Capitol last week, that's Washington, D.C., for those paying attention at home, Finnish programmer and village organizer Harry Hursty said the team was having trouble getting voting machines to compromise for this year's Hackfest, in part because manufacturers weren't keen to sell uh, kits that could uh, expose their failings. Despite hurdles, hackers were, of course, able to purchase the equipment because, well, they're hackers. And begging the question, why are there not more controls around purchasing voting machines? Which is a completely legitimate question posed by the researchers. Hopefully we get an answer and you can tune into their talk at the recent ShmooCon conference when it is, in fact, posted if it hasn't already. Intel halts Spectre and Meltdown patches for Broadwell and Haswell systems. Intel is advising OEMs and partners to halt patching for the Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities amid numerous reports. The updates are causing reboot issues on systems running the Broadwell and Haswell microprocessors. Yeah, this is a hot mess. I I'm not even certain what to recommend at this point. I mean, do you patch? Do you not patch? I really, either way, you're screwed. So, sorry. 
about that on behalf of Intel and everyone else. We're sorry. Less than 10% of Gmail users employ two-factor authentication. A Google software engineer told attendees of the Usenix Enigma conference in Santa Clara, California, that this week under 10 or this week rather, under 10% of active Google accounts have enabled two-factor authentication. It makes one thing clear, there has to be a better way. With that, we're going to take a short break, come back with expert commentary from Jason Wood from Paladin Security, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV, binge-worthy learning for IT teams. Why is it binge-worthy? It's learning presented in an engaging and entertaining talk show format that beats voiceover PowerPoint snooze fests. IT Pro TV offers an on-demand course library with more than 3,300 hours of content. Watch on your desktop, on the go, or in the comfort of your own living room. IT Pro TV is IT training you and your team actually want to watch which means a better return on your learning investment. Get started with IT Pro TV for Teams with a special offer for Security Weekly listeners. Visit itpro.tv forward slash Security Weekly to start a seven-day free trial and get 30% off a standard or premium IT Pro TV membership using the code SECWEEKLY30. Welcome back, everyone, to Hack Naked News. I want to thank our sponsor, itpro.tv. We use it, and so should you. Now... The one, the only Jason Wood from Paladin Security is here with us to talk about malware campaigns that go old school for delivery. And by old school, I don't think you mean the movie, which I happened to catch a little bit of last night. So very timely, Jason. <laughs> you're, in my, you're in my house watching my TV, apparently. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, this was a kind of an interesting, uh, I guess interesting just because it was unusual uh, delivery. Uh, mechanism somebody decided to try out. Um, so a, a security vendor named Forcepoint wrote up a blog post detailing an email campaign that was using a variant of the Drydex banking Trojan. And the malware campaign or the email campaign itself looked pretty straightforward. But what was different is, uh, you know, you, you get the typical email saying, hey, here, you need to go check this out, download this document for whatever reason. Um, and the link, instead of using HTTP or HTTPS to download the document, decided to go back and step out to FTP. Um, so I thought that was kind of odd. Um, you know, some if you go back 15, 16 years, you would see web pages with links to FTP sites and and shenanigans like that, and uh, sometimes even have the credentials embedded in the URL, and um, but now you, you really don't see that. And malware delivery, is, you know, it's the same thing. They, they, they don't use that type of delivery mechanism. They're using HTTP and HTTPS all the time, um, at least typically in these links. Um, in this case, you know, instead of using HTTP to pull down the EXE or a spreadsheet that's been compromised with some kind of macro or, or whatever the, that is you're pulling down, uh, Forcepoint notes that these emails are actually using the FTP protocol uh, to pull down the initial document, which it was a, a macro embedded document uh, that you, uh, the victim pulls down to their system and, and opens it up. They, and, and it, in the background of the macro uses the Microsoft data, dynamic data exchange uh, functionality to load up what would be normally used to load up data from another document. Uh, in this case, to do a PowerShell call and pull down um, the payload 
to the system and execute it. Uh, what was also interesting about this is these, these FTP sites that are being used appear to be compromised FTP servers out there. If you go and you look at the original blog post on Forcepoint's website, which we have in the show notes, uh, you can see that it, it's spread around to a number of different organizations. They said there's no commonality in the FTP servers being used. Uh, there were different different versions and whatnot. And the attackers even did go to the point of, you know, having a URL that looks like FTP colon forward slash forward slash the username colon and then the password at and then the server name um, to pull down the file. So kind of odd. Uh, Forcepoint had made the comment that this this campaign wasn't very large. Uh, they, they referenced other campaigns that had you know, millions of emails being sent. In this case, they only got about 9,500 emails, which makes me think, you know, here you picture at least a, a couple of uh, attackers sitting out there discussing what they're trying to do and how to get around different defenses. And one was like, yeah, what the hell? Let's try FTP out and see if that has any improvement or how does that work? Um, so it almost feels like a test campaign to see, see what would happen. Um, now there was a related blog post on threat po uh, or article on threat posts where they they highlighted the fact that hey well you know the user has to click the link and they have to open the document to execute this functionality so here's a a point for the, of the importance of, of user education uh, but really I also looked at that and said that's nice but there are at least three touch points here where I see that. Uh, security teams uh, with their different controls should be able to hopefully detect and respond to this before uh, things get too out of hand. You've got the initial email coming in, so we should have some controls there that would de hopefully detect the spam. Uh, the point where the user is now going to click the link, you know, we're hopefully controlling our web traffic, and so you know, that gives us a point to get in front of this, as well as now when the, the document finally, ex you know, they open up the document and try and execute it, that's another point of detection and now, response. Jason, I thought that yeah. browsers were blocking automatically the FTP protocol from being in the URL bar. Now, I just tested it on my copy of Google Chrome and it, it still does work. But I thought I remember covering something a while ago. Maybe they were considering, a lot of times they'll consider kind of features that may impact users and they put them in beta and then they take them out because they realize it might impact right. the users. But I want to say certain browsers were blocking that. Now you could probably get an extension that would of course block that, but then you have you have two problems. You you have an extension and not a great way to block FTP. Yeah. And and you know the problem with this as well is I mean what are they reading the email in? So Yeah, it's whatever yeah, I mean, the email I'm... wants to do uses the default FTP client, which could very well be Windows Explorer, not Internet, it's not the Edge browser, but the actual file Windows file system explorer, because that you can just type right. an FTP link right into, and it'll act as an FTP client. Yep. Yeah, they they pull up and use different browser components from either built into the operating system or the platform, right, and and use that to pull things down. Uh, one of the, I remember years ago having trouble with FTP and things like Internet Explorer and Windows Explorer in an organization I worked at um, because. Um, it was just so unpredictable in how it would handle things and what it would accept. And people would program something in a site. And then and you mean they wouldn't follow the computer. RFC? Uh, no. I, I thought everyone fact, had I to follow sure the they RFC. Could spell RFC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the problem with, yeah. with protocols in general and specifically FTP is it doesn't, 
the programmers that implement the FTP server and or client don't necessarily all interpret the RFC the same way. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to like we talk about issues around cross-site scripting and whatnot. I mean, browsers are getting better at this, but historically they they want to render content. They yes. want to get the content. That's their goal. But That's their primary mission. Curious as to why you would but allow- this F is a goofy setup. Yeah, why would you allow FTP outside of your network? And then the attackers could be banking on that I'm not in the corporate network when I'm opening the email that I'm somewhere else that does allow FTP. Well, Paul, surely you don't mean you've, you've when you're doing your penetration test, you haven't seen unusual protocols being let outbound. Yeah. That, that never occurs. That's another hot mess. We did a segment last yeah. year on, on egress filtering, Doug White and I. You should probably go listen yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I've been in environments where it, it, egress filtering is really good and other places where it really sucks. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I looked at this and I thought, you know, this is kind of interesting. Like I said, it goes back to that feeling of like it being a test. Well, let's see what it works. I mean, you'll, we'll run a small test, see how many people click, uh, you know, or, or what we can get. Is this a viable method of delivery that maybe people aren't expecting because we're used to HTTP mm. only being used? So what the heck? Let's give this a shot. Yeah, it's kind of like um, we've all forgotten about FTP and we're not looking at it as closely as, and everyone's really concerned about well, I can look in HTTP, but when it's HTTPS, do I need to do SSL decryption at the edge if stuff is going out so I can look inside of there? And since all those technologies have come a long way, in fact, I believe Forcepoint has at least a proxy server and probably do, does support SSL decryption, Right. Um, that attackers will go for something like FTP, figuring, well, no one's really looking at that protocol anymore. I think it's pretty, pretty smart, pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, what the heck? I mean, you got access, right, to millions of emails. What do you do? You send out the email and see what happens. You're, you leverage somebody else's FTP server uh, <laughs> because they got compromised. Um, you know, there's right. really not much cost to you associated with this. Um, so, I, you know, th like I said, I think there's a couple of interesting points here. One, you see something old suddenly popping up that, like you said, we may have forgotten about it. We don't think about it. We don't stand up FTP servers typically. Mm. Um, to exchange data. We use, you know, systems that are designed for that now where we use encryption and things like that. But also... Yeah, where know, we just, we give files, me, we give files to everyone like Amazon AWS. Right, exactly. You know, That's the new FTP. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, you've also got an opportunity here, I think, for defense in depth. This tells us a little bit of a story about defense in depth, right? Because we have three different points potentially to get in front of this thing with different tools. And so if we miss it at the first layer, hopefully the second one catches it. And then if they miss it there, you know, we've got a potentially third point to, to try and at least det detect and respond to this. Um, so, it, you know, to me, it, it, it illustrates the point about still that need for defense in depth. Tools miss things. And so you want to use different tools at different points to try and detect when something's going haywire. Uh, increases your chances of stopping it. But you know, I think it's, like I said, we need to pay attention to, to some of these old things that are still out there, these old protocols. They still work. You know, like you said, you thought the, the browser would block it. Well, no, it didn't. So, you know, we're off to the races. So go ahead and check out the blog posts. Uh, I've got uh, two, the two links in the show notes there. You can go ahead and read up on that. Um, and uh, like I said, just keep it in mind for as you're evaluating your environment and, and your defenses. Uh, are you you're making sure to touch the, it, to, to have that defense in depth and prevent things from, from slipping past you that are pretty easy, actually. Uh, shouldn't be there.
Thank you, Jason. And thank you, everyone, for listening and watching this episode of Hack Naked News. See you next time.